Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And today on the first episode of Real Talk Christian, we are talking about our past and asking the question, does my past affect my future? We're going to be taking a deep dive into our personal lives and see if there's any hope for people out there with tainted past. Let's go. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. All right, Fuller, let me ask you the question. Go Does my past affect my future? That's a good question, Mark. Well, why don't we just go ahead and dive into it right away? Uh, what's some... Uh, What's some things about your past that you think have affected your life as an adult today? Well, dude, I'm a stud. Well, there's no <laughs> argument there. No, no, dude. It's it's one of those things where my past is kind of interesting. I mean, I know you know it. A lot of people do. Um, but I was born and bred on the streets of Hammond, Hammond, Indiana, ha- Northwest Indiana. Hammond, without the D. Without the D. If you're from Hammond, we yeah. talk about this. You don't say you the don't D. don't say the D. What, what's another city? It's like, uh, oh, Clemson. Yeah, Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Clemson University. Um, but, yeah, so if you're from Hammond, Indiana, you don't say Hammond. But either way, so I grew up in Hammond, Indiana, flipped from Hammond over to Highland, um, and got a weird pass for the most part. Um, it's one of those things where mine kind of matches a lot of Christians, where it talks about I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a deacon, head of the deacon board by 27, 28. Mom was a Christian school teacher, Sunday school teacher. I basically was, you know, out the womb, hey, let's go to church. Right, like right. that's kind of just just how it started. But um, no, a lot of things kind of affected just how I view the world right now. Um, the biggest thing for me was when I was ten, my dad died um, from a car crash. Uh, he actually visited us at school and then came, hung out. I think he's brought our report cards back because we forgot them at home. Let's wow. just be honest. Um, and then I was way back to work. I still remember the intersection corner of. Um, I think it's uh, 46 and Klein Avenue in Highland, and took a left turn. T-bone died instantly. Wow. Um, so yeah, what, dad died. What did when that I was do dead. to you as a child? Like, what was your emotions as a child? I mean, obviously, a lot of us can speculate what that would look like as a child, but from a firsthand point of view, for those of uh, the listeners that have have experienced this or haven't experienced this, uh, what did that look like as a child for you in them, those moments? I'm kind of confused. I, I think is the best one. Um, looking back, I remember the when I found out about my dad's death, I ran to my room. Or, or I should say this. Mom came home with Pastor Ovinger, Mrs. Ovinger. So I'm like, okay, something ain't right. right. What did my siblings do now? Like someone did something stupid. We got caught. We're done. Um, but so they came. They told us. And it was kind of one of those things where I just didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And, and to this day, when I hear bad news, I don't believe it. Hmm. It takes a few days to even settle, settle in. Um, but so I remember I ran in my room. I to- turned on Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3? PlayStation? Uh, P- PS2. Oh, man. So I think it was Pro Skater 4. And yeah. I remember I made a character for my dad hmm. and skated around with him. And it was kind of the idea of if my dad I, – I just didn't want to accept the reality. Yeah. I guess is the biggest one. Right, right. Yeah, that's a hard thing to accept as a as a ten year old kid. I mean, but it's weird. But but my personality is in such a way where 
whether it's good, whether it's bad, it doesn't matter. I move on. Right. And I don't know if that's what caused it, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it was uh, not being able to process it as a 10-year-old, and, and you had to kind of find out your own way to process it. And you feel like that's carried into your adult life on processing issues that, that come up now? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I responded to, to the bad news that just happened in my own life, my own family. Now the exact same I, – I, I did not play Tony Hawk Pro Skater <laughs> and create a character. I'm sure you wanted to, though. <laughs> Dude, I, oh, I could. Oh, I miss Tony Hawk. I miss Tony Hawk. It was all about Ryan Reynolds, baby. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, no, Ryan Reynolds. That's um. Ryan Reynolds is uh, that's Deadpool. Yeah, that's, that's for a different podcast. That's <laughs> that's for a different episode. I don't remember what this guy's name was. It was Ryan something. I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Um. Man, I lost all train of thought. But no, no, so um, how I respond to situations, yeah, I don't want to admit that it's happened. I want to wake up. It feels like a dream. Yeah. And then eventually it just becomes normal. Like that's kind of what happened when my dad dad died. Um, but what was cool, though, was is when my dad died, um, that's when the church became real to me. Yeah. Um, and, and not the, the church in terms of even Jesus and Christianity, because I've been a believer for a few years at that point. Um, but it was more so the fact of that's when the church stepped up and, mm. um, the lead pastor became another dad to me. He did my ordination service. He, I lived with him. My brother lived with him for a couple of years. Wow. Um, so they really came around you as a community. Oh yeah. And my Sunday school teacher taught me how to mow the grass. Um, another guy, um, I mean, I, there's just so many people who brought me, brought me aside and say, I'm going I'm to teach you how to play basketball better. Hey, we're going to buy you some new basketball shoes because right. you need them. Um, so that's when my love for the church came. But it's interesting, I had no dark days hmm. after Dad died. It was more of just the fact of I want to wake up from this dream, and then also I'm like, well, I guess I'm not waking up, so let's move on. Yeah. But it wasn't until years later when I was probably 13. I was 13 when Mom got remarried, and we got dragged from Highland to South Bend, south side of South Bend, Woo-woo. went from a school who was awesome. It was great. We were, I mean, we we. The, the girls won national championships for volleyball right. every single year. High athletics, um, not conservative by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Calumet became the joking school where if you got kicked out of the public school, you can go to Calumet. It's right. all good. Um, so I went from a school I loved to a school that was crazy conservative. I had to stop playing football. Mm. I now have went from three siblings to nine siblings overnight. Wow. Um, we didn't get along. It was It was awkward. That's really when my past went dark. Okay. And in, in eighth grade, that's when I was, oh, man, I was living in the emo music. I mean, good Charlotte played 24-7. <laughs> always, man, that's a band always I heard good in Charlotte, man. The anthem and um, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. Yeah, that was, that was that's a throwback for yeah, you. Yeah, right. Um, but that's when it was the point where I didn't want to do it anymore. I just wanted to die. I figured, what's the purpose of even being here anymore? And as a 13-year-old, I remember thinking, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, your whole life was uprooted at that point. I mean, not only are you have to accept new siblings, a new father figure. And I put that in quotation, quotation marks. Yeah. For those of you who can't see right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, he walked out on us two years later. So there right. Go. So, I, I mean, that's that's got to be hard as a as a 13-year-old kid. I mean, you're obviously you're going through uh, a period in your life where things are changing anyways, and then you throw that change on top of it. That's got to be a hard struggle. 
It was, and it, I, I dealt a lot with identity issues. Um, I mean, I still played sports. I, I found my love for soccer at community. Um, a lot of great things happened from community. So, so it was one of those things when, when I entered into my, my rebellious ages at right. 18, 20, <laughs> I didn't have any. Right. I didn't have any because it was more the fact of I'm, all the crap I went through between the ages of 13 and 15. Um, I remember having to go through a lot of the hurt with dad dying, mom remarried, and mom had to take care of these other kids and versus just us in new right. town. You know, it's like we wake up all of a sudden, you have a new town, new friends, new family, new sports, new everything, new situations. But, I mean, I tell my teenagers this all the time where it's the fact of I hang on to that Romans 8.28 verse where I've seen God work this together for good. Because if I didn't hear about any of this, I never would have started playing bass. Right. And I I, I love my bass. Right. (laughs) Never would have, you know, met the the church family that I eventually interned at in Bremen. Never would have met the pastor who I played bass at his church when I was a junior and senior in high school who told me about the open position at the church that I'm working at now. Um, so I, and, and even with friends that I had that were, you know, Ellie Edwards, I mean, shout out to Ellie, if you're even listening, I don't even know. That'd be whoop, sweet whoop. if you are. Um, you know, we had the, the quote unquote Christian school dating freshman yeah, year right. where it's more like, <laughs> oh, it was, we had the matchmaker, a mutual friend. We're like, oh, you like her? Sure. You like him? Eh, sure. Okay. You're a couple now. There you go. It's lasted, PCC bro, style. Lasted two months. Shout out to, shout out to PCC. That's a color Christian baby. <laughs> But uh, that lasted like two months. But because of that and that great relationship I've had with Ellie for years, I had an elder at our church who basically said, yeah, Mark's the guy you want for the gig. Yeah. So um, Start building those connections. So it was on. hard because the fact of does my past affect my future? Yeah, it, does. It, it really did. So let me ask you this. Let me stop you and kind of scroll back a little bit. What was the turning point uh, from your rebellious years to deciding, hey, I want to go into the ministry. I want to I want to become a pastor. I mean, obviously, we for those of you who don't know, Mark is a pastor of Southside Baptist Church here in the South Side of South Bend. South Side. So, uh, what uh, what was that point in your life where you were like, you know what? I'm going to put away put away these these sinful ways and let God transform me. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm also going to serve. Um, the church community. I don't want to say I put my sinful ways away because even after I answered, you know, like the, the call to ministry right. at 16, I was still rounding bases that you should not be rounding when you're just a 16 year old dude and you got, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble with girls, man. But uh, no, it was 16 years old. I was at a youth retreat and um, the evangelist was up there and he goes, um, doesn't matter if you want to be a pastor or not, everyone needs to surrender to the call of, of, Surrender the call of Jesus and serve yeah. him and no matter what. And there's the old Martin Luther quote where it's, if you're called to be a plumber, be the best plumber you can for Jesus. Right. There's no difference between a pastor and a plumber and a, and a steel worker. And all these different Ooh, situations. Um, but it was when I was 16, I was at that youth conference, and I said, you know what? I'll follow God wherever it wherever it'll end up going. And um, I like to talk a lot, and there was empty slots for preaching competitions, oh, bro. There you go. So I started doing those, and... Um, I visited Northland when I was 16, my sophomore year of high school, and um, fell in love with the campus. And it was like, this is it, man. It's and, and there's also a lot of backstory that I even skip, where my youth pastor became everything to me. Right. Um, he became that second father figure to you. Well, senior pastor became father figure. Okay. Youth pastor became like third father figure. Yeah. And, and to this day, I still follow him on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook and all these different things. Um, pastor Matt was his name. And then, um, but throughout all these situations, youth pastors always meant the world to me. And they kept me out of trouble. They checked up. They wanted to see what was going on. 
um, they came alongside me. So I asked the question, okay, God, so if you're calling me to do certain things, should I answer the call that other people answer the call for me? Right. You know what I'm saying? So people answer the call that I will be that person for Mark. So now I'm called to what it's Second Corinthians one, where you go through certain tribulations so that you can go and bless other people right. and lead people through exactly. that. The triangle of your faith. Exactly. And um, I just kept walking the road, and it's kind of where it's led me to the youth pastor spot, where what youth pastors and pastors were to me, I want to be to my teens. So you're you're. Those influences in your life definitely have shaped the path of your future, at least as of right now, what God has called you to do oh, by, sure. by walking with you. Uh, it inspired you to walk with others and train up that next generation. Definitely. And and honestly, like a lot of my stupidity didn't come when I was older in terms of, we'll hear your story in a bit, but... Um, <laughs> But uh, but it's more of I knew what it was like to be the junior hire that when you said, oh, I don't want to live anymore. People were like, oh, yeah, you're just 13, 14, Mark. You'll grow Hormones are going. You'll everywhere. grow out of it. And it's like, no, I won't. Um, but so so everything that I struggled with in junior high, I know what these kids are struggling with. Right. The, the the lust of a typical teenage dude who's 16, who's surrounded by tons of girls that he thinks is just absolutely hot. I know what that's like, and yeah. I know what it's like to both resist that temptation and act out on that temptation. And it's the fact of if I, if someone was there for me, I'm called to go be there for for other people. So talking talking about, I mean, obviously you you specialize in youth. I mean, that's your calling. Eh, what would like you, what so. would you say to parents about how important it is to to stay involved in their teenagers' lives um, in order to help shape their future? Going off my past, my mom was kind of my hero. Um, okay. And I didn't realize that until I was honestly 20, and I was getting married and went, Mom, I don't know what I'm doing. And then as kids came up, I'm like, wow, Mom, we put you through a lot of crap that yeah. you didn't deserve. <laughs> like, you really are. Like, I didn't realize how much of a hero my mom was to me then. And But she was she rolled with an iron fist. Yeah. And in, in terms of, you know, I had I didn't have MySpace, but I had Zanga. Zanga. Zanga, oh man, we're really going back the, now. I had the Christian version of MySpace. Yep. I, I had Facebook. I had Instagram in high school and, and all these different things. And um, mom never ever sheltered me from anything. Yeah, but we talked about it a lot. Right. And if she felt she was not equipped to have those conversations, Pastor Obinger would just show up. That's awesome. <laughs> so so for me as as a youth pastor to just just talking to parents, I, I've seen the difference between teenagers who have parents who absolutely love them and is involved in their lives. I see teenagers who parents are kind of involved, but they don't know how to fully be involved. And I yeah. see teenagers who their parents aren't involved at all. Right. And, um, and parents are the single, in my opinion, driving factor of whether a teen follows Jesus. It's not the youth pastor. Because honestly, I, I see kids two hours a week. Right, yeah. Yeah, You're, you have such a small... Snidbit of time. Oh, my, it, minuscule. Right. But, I mean, just from watching the youth uh, and how they respond to you, they definitely admire you, oh, just yeah. as I'm sure you admired your youth pastors back in the day. But it's kind of like I'm a bonus. I was talking yeah. with one of the parents. You're where, like the jackpot. Yeah. Well, mm, well, let's not go that far yet. Ah, come but, on. You're the jackpot. You're the jackpot to me anyways. Oh, oh. thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Now I see why you love them now, Janiel. Yeah. So... <laughs> No, but but you know, I was talking with a parent, and, he, and he's this guy's trying to pour into his son like crazy, and yeah. his son doesn't always respond well to dad. Let's just be honest. It's oh, dad's a jerk. Dad's telling well, me this. Most dad's telling don't. me this. All parents are jerks. That's just what they are. Um, but he said, but my son listens to you, so therefore my son's doing great in his faith in school. And at the end of the day, awesome. kids kids make their own decisions. Let's yeah. be honest. So I mean, whether you're growing up in a good home, bad home, 
doesn't matter. I have a girl who grew up in an unsafe home. Um, I was able to lead her to Christ. I was able to baptize her, and she's going to a Christian college. She loves Jesus. That's she's awesome. She's a work in progress, and I love her to death. Um, but she didn't come from a great home. And yeah. then I have another one. Uh, well, I should say this. Her dad is a superstar. Her dad really is. And um, he had a bad, bad run-in with Christians back when he, back in his day. So right. I don't think he ever walked away from Jesus, but it's more the fact that he, he obviously distanced didn't, himself. Though. He distanced himself and didn't, didn't, didn't raise Morgan as a follower of Jesus. Um, I just said Morgan's name. Hey, Morgan. So, uh, but then there's, eh, it's okay. Uh. Take two. So, um, but then there's other people where it's the fact of they grew up in great Christian homes, and now I look at their lives and I just go, what the heck happened yeah. to you? You were at youth group every week. You were singing on the worship team. You were doing this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what went wrong? Well, that, that kind of brings me to, to some thoughts that I had uh, as we kind of prepared for this week and, and just reflecting back. I've seen, just like you said, so many good Christian home families and the kids walk away from Jesus. And then I've seen so many people in broken homes come to Jesus. Uh, you know, we go into talking about does our past affect our future. I think it does, but ultimately I think God um, can change people talks about the the renewing of your mind, the transformation of your mind. Uh, I think that's an important process that God allows to happen uh, to certain people in certain situations, and he allows situations to uh, be bad, not that he creates them, because we know oh, God, right. doesn't, God doesn't he create, create sin, evil, right. right, but he allows Thanks, it to Adam. happen Thanks, in order to shape us. Uh, and not only to shape us to point us towards him, but to help us point others towards him. Well, that him. was the Apostle Paul. I mean, he right. had the, the the thorn in his side, and whether yeah. it was his sight, whether it was a demon, whether he was just an old crippled man, we don't really know. But he said, God gave me this so that I will put my trust in Jesus. Right, exactly. And I feel like that's the story of my life right now. Yeah. But let's flip the script, though, man, because I mean, right, there's man. still a lot of conversations to oh, have, and, and they'll need to know more of my story and how of a dope dude I am. <laughs> but... Fuller, let me know the scoop of you, bro. Where do you come from? All right, man. Where do man. you hail? Oh, man, I, I hail originally, born here in South Bend. Uh, grew up uh, till the age of 10 on the south side of South Bend. Over, right, actually, right down the road from your house. A couple blocks down the road. I, here, I didn't on, know that. On, on York Road, yep. Uh, Dang, this is southeast side, bro. We don't like south, south side. Whoa, well, This is southeast, bro. bro southeast so, Little League southeast. was my field, man. So, grew up there until I was 10. At uh, 10 years old, uh... My dad decided to move us up to Dewajak, Michigan. A little Dewajak. Dewajak. Isn't that the, 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 the place with the logo with like the the, the chief? It's the chieftains. Yeah, the chieftains. Yeah. Yep. 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 So <laughs> that place, uh, you could sneeze and and you'd be through it. It's a little. <laughs> it's a little town. <laughs> uh, shout out to everybody who's in Dewajak listening. Hey. Uh, the rest of you guys probably have never even heard of it because I hadn't up until the point where we moved. Uh, but growing up, it was, um, you know, between the time of, of birth and uh, 13 years old, there was a lot of interesting things that happened. Uh, you know, my parents uh, were newly saved when I was born. And so... When they, you say newly, you mean like within like... Like they had like... Like just like got just, Jesus and just, here comes Chris. Just got Jesus and here comes my sister and Chris, like Goodness. within 13 months. So they were new believers and had a, a lot of uh, follies and faults, like I like to say. Follies and faults. You know, uh, the church they were going to, uh, they they had a couple people uh, that were really invested in it, but really uh, not as much as they should have been. So there was a lot of issues between my parents, which caused my parents to separate. Hmm. Um 
uh, I'm trying to remember how old I was. I think I was like five, four, four or five when oh they goodness. separated. Uh, a couple of years after that, my my mom got remarried, so we got that in common. Stepdads, check. And guess what? He left too. So after hmm. a couple of years, so we got that in common too. There Mark. you go. <laughs> uh, so after that happened, uh, at the age of like, I want to say it was like eight or nine. I'm not great with dates, but that's all right. Uh, my parents ended up uh, feeling like God wanted them to be together, so they got remarried. Uh, yeah. So so they divorced each other. My mom remarried somebody else. Uh, that guy left. My parents ended up remarrying so each other. So here's the question, Fuller. Go does, for it. does that pass affect your future? Oh, goodness gracious, oh, bro. Definitely. Uh, I, I struggled with, um, even up into my early adult years, uh, feeling like my dad had abandoned me hmm. um, by, by not sticking, him and my mom sticking together. Uh, because my mom had sole custody. My dad did not. Mm, okay. Uh, so we used to see my dad like every other weekend. And I felt like I was abandoned my, by my dad. And the man that my mom got married to, my stepfather, uh, was very abusive and un- unkind to us kids because we weren't his kids. Uh, so there, there was a lot of abuse that went on, uh, physical abuse, uh, by this guy uh, all the way up because he couldn't handle kids. He was not equipped um, as a man to handle other people's kids. He just wasn't. Okay. That just wasn't his personality. Uh, I, I wish I could have a chance to sit down with this guy and lead him to Jesus now because he mm. definitely didn't have Jesus. But uh, were there other kids too, or was it just? No, nope, it was he. Just, he was a single guy. Mm, he, okay. he met my mom. I'm not even sure I, where they met at, but uh, my mom had walked away from uh, her faith at that time uh, during this marriage to him. So it was it was not a good situation. She wasn't the best of people, doing the best she could as a single mom. Obviously, and, yeah. and, and, right. Honestly, shout out to the single moms. I mean, right. those people oh, are man, geez. those are heroes. That, those are no, those they're better than heroes. They're better than superheroes. I my mom. Not every hero wears a cape, man. My mom was raising four kids, worked three jobs, and was going to school full time to become an RN nurse uh, during the time of this. Before this, this other. Um, guy showed up in her life it was it was a crazy time for her. i don't even know how she slept what when, when did she when sleep? Do you sleep yeah like three jobs like i, I don't want <laughs> I'm, I'm tired after one job <laughs> right i mean goodness gracious and then the kids and then everything else right and four kids i mean by yourself that that's that's a lot to to deal with i mean I, I'm actually be- here's a fun statistic for you a friend of mine um she's a single mom uh she shot me this text about that the church isn't properly equipped to handle handle single parents but there's 13 13.7 million single parents wow. across America. Wow. Um, and and there's so many missed opportunities for the church to step in and come alongside single parents. But So, so I really... <laughs> so you know... Hearing, you're, that, you're, hearing you're, that statistic, yeah. I feel like as a church, we're, we're failing. Mm. We're failing uh, single families. And, you know, like your situation, your mom your mom didn't get a divorce no. uh, from she your dad. I mean, she was, she was a widow. And that was it. Yeah, she was a widow. So, I mean, it's not, you know, I know people think, oh, single, you know, they kind of made their own bed. I hear it's that a scarlet lot. Scarlet letter almost. Right, yeah. and it's not always that. And sometimes even in the divorce situations, uh, parents or, or couples or whatever, there might be a spouse that doesn't have a choice in the matter. Right. Um, and, and so why, as a church, are we failing these people? Anyways, that was a huge side note. Sorry about that. There's going to be a lot of Welcome those. Welcome to Conversations with Mark and Chris. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, this is why we go to Starbucks and just have fun. This is how a four-hour conversation that's happens from, like, wait, it's what's supposed to take, like, 30 minutes. But, exactly. you know, that's just one of those things. So, so your mom was single. So, trying to raise, so my, my mom was single during all this time. Kids. She got remarried to this guy who was abusive. 
uh, they, he ended up leaving because he hated us kids. Mm. Uh, and so, I mean, we were hellions. So we were trying to push him out. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> we, we tried to make his life as miserable as possible. And apparently. And it worked. It worked. So, uh, watch out, single parents who are trying to look for a relationship elsewhere because your children can be uh, pretty, pretty conniving sometimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, back to the story. So my parents got remarried, and we moved up to Dwajak, Michigan. Uh, when I was like 10, 11 years old, something like that. Um, and uh, my dad had been involved with the house church for a long time. So explain what a house, ch- house so, church So a house church, um, it comes from, um, there were a group of believers, and this has been a movement since the late 80s, early 90s, but they wanted to get back to the original uh, church setting. So the you know at, at, like the original apostles um, and the early Christian church met in houses, shared meals, and lived life together. Uh, it wasn't just a Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing? Hey, it wasn't a worship experience. Pastor Mark, nice to see you today. And right. then you yep. know you don't see me for the rest of the six days, or not even half a Sunday. Uh, it, it was it was living life together, and so that's what we did. That's uh, when when my parents got remarried, we joined the house church. And uh, I was raised in a house church, and actually, I loved it. There wasn't many kids. There, I had uh, one kid that was my age, my best friend, Kyle, back in the, my childhood best friend. Uh, shout out to Kyle if you're listening. I hope you are. <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of kids, so it was mostly adults. And my parents said, hey, you're going to sit with us in these meetings. So I actually Goodness. learned a lot of great theology uh, from listening to these people. I mean, I had... The one guy that was in our group, he had uh, he had been to seminary. He was an ordained pastor, but he decided that he wanted to be in the house church. We we had a couple of those guys. We had theological majors, uh, and so it was it was not a, just a group of rebels uh, that didn't want to sit through Sunday service anymore. It was people that really wanted to get back to the basics of Christianity and live life together and, and live really, life together and really right. dive in that Acts two forty two right type, exactly. Type so that's that's kind of where. Um, that influence in my life really shaped my life later on and how I feel about Christianity, even in our, our church at Southside and how um, we try to do our connect groups and right. try to live yep. life together and how important I believe that is. And that's, that was shaped by my, my childhood of growing up in that. Um, you know, I look at, I, I've been to a few other house churches and they always struggle with, what do we do with our kids? Mm. And to me, it's like, you know, they would always go, go out and play or whatever. And it's like, man, these kids could learn so much. I made it. I, I did it. And I learned so much from just sitting there listening. And now you're doing that with your kids. And now and I'm doing have it with friends right. who are doing it with their kids. Right, exactly. So it's actually a, a sweeping movement that's happening through a lot of churches, that's either cool. small groups or connect groups. Well, Francis Chan, I don't know if you've even followed right. him with right. his, his exactly. whole house church idea. So, uh, you know, it's a very important thing to, to live life together as Christians. But again, that was another diversion into something that would be a later topic, I believe. From a, that, mm-hmm. that, that's a whole podcast or two right there, just right talking there. on that. Yeah, let's be honest. But uh, so we were involved in that. Um, unfortunately, um, my parents still had not resolved the issues from when they were first married during this time, and they had a lot of the same arguments and fights, and uh, it turned it turned into uh, an abusive situation from my, my own father. Um, let me just throw this out here as a, as a pretext that my father has changed a lot. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and is not the same man as he was back when I was a child. So for anybody that's listening that knows my dad, you should know that he is a changed man and is not that way anymore. Uh, but back in this time, 
you know, still, he, you know, he was less than 10 years of, of Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was not the best father and he's admitted to it to me and even apologized to me about it, about how he, uh, well, we just had a conversation the other night about how, and this ties directly into what we're talking about here. Um, how, when I'm with people that, uh, at work, um, how I'm very, I can be very callous towards them. Mm. Um, and the reason that is, is because as a child growing up, uh, my dad always, I was very sensitive, little boy. And my dad always said, toughen up, you're a man, men don't show emotions. Mm. And, and he would... I think we've all heard that one. He would beat that into me. Well, that's that kind of made me hard towards people I don't really care about. So I can be very uh, matter-of-fact, uh, straight-to-the-point type of guy. No punches pulled. And that's not always a good thing either. Right. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm currently working on, even in my own Christian walk right now, not to be that way. Uh, but that's the type of, of lifestyle I grew up with. Uh, my father... He was kind of abusive. So this led into uh, my teenage years where I started hanging out with not the right crowd. Uh, uh, and then by That's the, not me, by the way. Yeah, no, no, Mark and I have only known each other, even though we've known other people that have known. Yeah, we got a lot of mutual Yeah, mutual it's, it's kind of crazy, weird. but uh, it, it was predestined for us to meet. I'm just saying that. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but going back into the story, uh, by the time I hit my early 20s, um, I had totally walked away from God. Uh, I was into drugs and alcohol very heavily and uh, uh, heading to a path of destruction. And as I, I talked to your teens, I kind of gave them my testimony uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, you got some tears, man. If it wasn't for Christ and what he did for me, I'd probably be dead. I, I honestly would. I mean, I was I was doing so many drugs and drinking so much alcohol and just hanging out with the wrong crowd, I probably would have been shot or stabbed or OD'd or any, you know, a number of things that would have ended my life, but God preserved me uh, because he had a plan for me. Mm. And it wasn't until, so, you know, I went through that for four or five years where I was uh, heavily into that, had nothing to my name, and I met my beautiful wife, Janiel. What's up, Janiel? Who is an angel sent from God to me and... uh, Someone's trying to get some brownie points on the podcast. Well, you know, it's, I, I tell her this all the time. If it wasn't for her uh, and her love that she, she – God showed me his love through her, and that is what drew me back to God. Was mm-hmm. not – not you know, a lot of people go, oh, you're, you changed for a girl. And it's like, no, not really. I just – to a person that could see me in the state that I was in and say, I love you, but I do not approve of your actions. Mm. And your actions need to change, and God wants you to change your actions. Like, she called me out on the, on the carpet for it, like all of it. And it was like, wow, all right. And, and then other situations happened to where uh, I was losing, I'm getting evicted from my apartment, lost my job. Like, I had no money, no place to go. I was going to be homeless. And uh, God got a hold of my heart right then and there. And it was, it was the tipping point for me mm. where it changed my life to see where I was at. And yet God still sent me somebody to show me his love. So, so let me ask you this then as a follow-up question. Are you ashamed of the past at all? Like, like you, know what, you know what I'm talking about with some people, you talk about their past, and they're like, oh, I don't want to talk about my past. So uh, I am deeply, deeply ashamed of, of the things that I did. I can't control the things I didn't have any control of, like right. as, as an early child. But, you know, those five years where I did have a choice and I made the wrong choice, I'm deeply ashamed of that. But I also see it as an opportunity for for me to show God's love to other people hmm. by telling the story. It's not about me. It's not about what I went through. None of this is about any of us. It's all about God and what God has brought us from. 
and the things that he has saved us from. Uh, I, I don't tell my story to, to glorify myself or I get an attaboy from anybody. Um, my story is to point to the goodness and the grace and the mercy of our Father. And, and that's what it's all about. I mean, when you read, I'm, I'm going to read some scripture real quick. Second Corinthians 1 says this, it says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I mean, we could just stop right there. Right. But it says, He comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction, though the comfort we, we ourselves, we actually receive from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Yeah. If we are afflicted, it is for our comfort and salvation. But if we're comforted, it is for our own comfort, which produces patience and endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you, which is for the Corinthian believers, is firm, because we know that you share in the sufferings so that you also will share in the comfort. Wow. That's, <laughs> Scripture is so powerful. It. Uh... <laughs> no, a friend of mine has been making wow. me read this every week for like six weeks now, and it's just just insane. Um, so I guess here's kind of the question then, um, coming out of this conversation is what's next? I mean, you know, we, we, we talk yeah. about for our, our, our pastor different. I had my dark struggle in junior high and right. I kind of came out and, um, for, for lack of a better word, I've been on the straight and I'm, narrow. Well, I'm still a human. I still yeah, make mistakes. Right. I'm still an idiot. I'm still, you know, well, make we're mistakes still growing as a dad. And, learning, and, right? and, and, and I mean, I'm work in progress. But all things considered from the outside world, people are like, Mark, you got an easy life so far. You've done all the right <laughs> things. You're the goody two-shoes, all these different things. Um, Except for the, nobody knows all the things that we've had to go through to get here or the things that we're continuing to go through. Right. They don't see what's happening in, in right. the dark and at midnight when that's, you can't sleep. That's that old and, saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Right. You know? Actually read the book. <laughs> right. Um, no, but so so here's the question then. So can, can does my past affect my future? I think the answer is yes. Yes. But what is the future that you're looking forward to right now? So the future I'm looking forward to, and I'm just save that question because it's coming back to you now too. Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> so you might as well start thinking about it. I'm looking but, at other stuff. <laughs> but the thing that most excites me about the future is growing closer to the Father and growing closer to my family and my church family, hmm. uh, walking through life together. Uh, I believe we're all sinful creatures, and, and there's a lot of people out there that uh, believe that, man, I just they, they live in shame constantly about, oh, I can't do this. God can't love me because I've done Because of X, I, Y, I've done, Yeah, I've done this today. I lied. I stole or whatever it may be. Uh, I can't be loved by God, and I need to do penance you know, oh, even yeah. though we don't use that word penance, we all feel like, oh, well, I have to do, I have to pray and read my Bible in order to to be back or in I the good grace. I need to go talk to somebody. Jesus, I need to tithe. Right, or right. Well, as Scripture clearly states, it's nothing we do, and it's all about God and what He does for us. And no matter how much good we would do, uh, it would never buy our salvation or God's love. And God, I, and this is the funny thing, is the fact that. God already knows that. Right. You know? Well, he's <laughs> – so I, I used this illustration uh, in our VBS that we just had this last week. Shout out, to, sh- shout out to all the VBS workers. I was pretty tired at the end of the week. <laughs> I didn't uh, even I, – I fell asleep on the couch right there. I didn't even make it to my bed. Yeah, it was – I, I felt I fell asleep in my chair at work reading emails. It was so bad. Ooh. So it was pretty bad. Uh, but I used the illustration uh, – I took a pen – and I showed it to the fourth grade boys that I was teaching at the time. And I said, this is time. 
and I threw it over my shoulder, and I said, the rest of the world is God. He's infinite compared to that pen. I said, God doesn't live in time, so he sees all. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. Uh, hey, he's got so today, why, would got you, why would you think that he's sitting there with the book of life going, oh, Mark's name. Oh, Mark did bad. I'm erasing his name. The oh, ledger. Mark's name. Oh, no, he's, he did okay, <laughs> so I'm erasing his name. You know, that's not the way God is. God already knew, knows every mistake we're going to make. Um, and so it's about the, the repentance and the belief is not for God because God already knows it. Right. It's for us. Mm-hmm. It's to build that faith and that relationship from us to God. Uh, and that's what I, I illustrated to the to the fourth grade boys, the honey sloths. Whoop, whoop. Uh, honey sloths. <laughs> fourth grade boys. If you're listening right now, well, I hope you're not listening. But you're, hopefully your parents are listening and be, you, they know dope. about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we – so God lives outside of time. The, the whole purpose of repentance is not for God. It's for us. Mm. Uh, and so that's what excites me about the future. Is, you know, I, there's nothing I can do to earn the grace and favor of God. Uh, a lot of people talk about how, hey, I want to I get to heaven and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, then just do your part. Mm. That's all you got to do. Just do your part. Just If you mess up, say you're sorry. It's just I always say it's like a, it's like a marriage. If you hurt your spouse... Don't you, if you love them, don't you want to apologize for it? Right, and make up. And- yeah, I mean, it's you don't want to be like, well, sorry, I said what I said, and I meant it, and I ain't taking it back. It's like, well, whether it's true or not, uh, if you truly love them, you're going to want to try to fix that relationship. And it's the same with God and us. I think that's why God makes that illustration, was that if we truly love God, we're going to apologize for the mistakes we make. Mm, that's cool. So, Turn the, the question around here to you. And that's all the time we have for now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what are you most looking forward to? You know, that scares me because I'm, I mean, I'll just say it. My job is to plan plan ahead. I'm a, right. I'm a visionary. I'm a planner. What mission trips, what what do I want these kids to What's accomplish VBS in six like? years? What's and the youth group look like? When a kid, I mean, when I first walked in the South Side, the question I was asked was, oh, what? so so what do you want to see these teens six years down the road when they graduate? Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, that's easy. I can answer that. But when it's, hey, Mark, what about you? It's like, oh. <laughs> I'm not paid to think about me. I'm paid to think about other people. Right. Um, no, what am I excited about for the future? Honestly, this scares the living daylights out of me. But I'm excited to be a dad Yeah. who gets to walk alongside of Elliot, oh, who man. gets to walk alongside of Evie, and show them this is God's love in action. Um, you know, we're, we're going through some tough times right now with our family, and uh, – just, just all the struggles and the pains that are going through with that. Um, and I'm excited and scared to be able to, when Elliot asks questions, to be like, oh, I do this because of, of God's love for right. me. Um, oh, Daddy, why did you do this? Or, Daddy, why do we do this? It's because of what God did for us, what God did for you. Um, this is our response to God's love and God's greatness and God's glory exactly. and God's favor. And, um, and and we're called to enjoy God forever. I mean, it's the yeah. Westminster Confession, to know God and enjoy Him forever. And um, it's Thinking of the future, the next couple steps, the next couple days, months, years, whatever, um, I'm honestly excited to be a dad to show the love that God the Father had for me to my kids. I yeah. think is probably what, what Man, I'm most excited about. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, that's, a, that's a hard thing to do, too. Dude, it's, it's scary. There's, there's a quote. Um, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, too. It's, a, it's an app. I haven't even talked to you about this. It's called oh. Cross-Formed Kids. Okay. Um, it's from the church planner, Ryan Coatney. Shout out to Coat down in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, he's yeah. He's the church planner we worked with a All couple right. years with SM. And he is 
he honestly teaches at kids camps all across the nation for Lifeway and Student Life and Fuge and all these different things. Yeah. And and he had a quote where it's um, raising Christian kids isn't impossible. You just got to be intentional, right? And and the idea of the fact of raising Christian kids and raising them in the ways of God and and you read the verse in the Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. Right now, when he's old, might be eighty when he comes back and actually goes. You know what, Dad was kind of right. Yeah. Um. But it's the fact of it's it's very hard for me to slow down in my own life to read my Bible to pray. Um, and when I put Ellie to bed, it's kind of funny. Like when I'm just exhausted, I just sit in his chair. The dwell and, app. And he'll, oh, I, oh, I love the dwell. <laughs> but, but, uh, when I put Ellie to bed though, right. um, I'll put him to bed and he'll look at me sometimes and go, daddy, we need to brush my teeth and we need to pray. There you and I'm go. I'm like, dude. Well, that's, that's even Preaching Piper. to me, man. Piper's like before meals, you know, I don't always remember to pray before meals. Piper's like, we pray, we pray. We're and praying. she like holds hands and like wants to pray. Like, and be- pray before bed and pray before meals. It's like, this is awesome. Like, I feel like I've accomplished, like, a great thing because my if daughter wants to pray. nothing else happens. Right. I could it. be a failure as a worker, a failure as a church member, but as long as my kids love the Lord and want to serve the Lord, hey, I'm a winner. <laughs> so before we go, I want to read a, a quote here real quick and then give a challenge to those who are listening. Um, probably our two people. Um, whoa, whoa, one you two quote people? by Scott Calvin. Well, it says Scott Colvin. I think it actually is Scott Colvin, not Calvin. But Scott Colvin says, having faith means believing God has a great future in front of you, and he uses the past to shape you for the future that lies ahead. In order to experience this great future, we have to get in step with the Father. Hmm. And it's the idea of, you know, everything that we have. I actually went to Mishawaka High School. I don't know if I told you this. I went to Mishawaka High School and actually was a guest lecture for like th- five was, hours. That was last day. year, was wasn't it? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was yeah, last year. Yeah, I remember year. that. And my whole conversation with them is everything that happens in the past shapes you to be the person who you're supposed to be tomorrow. Yeah, right. And and if we live in that reality of I'm going to do right now what's going to help me tomorrow, right. even with Christian life and faith. And if I look back my entire life, you know, I can minister to these teens in my youth group who are orphans because I lost my dad. Yeah. I can minister to these kids in my youth group who um, they're like, my, my parents, I just found out got a divorce. I'm like, you know what? I've watched my mom walk through right. that. Um Situations, well, that's, that's, situations where, you know what, I did this stupid thing. I got caught with, with porn or with girls or whatever, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, don't worry, buddy. I've, I've been there, We've been too. there, or we know somebody that's been there. And, exactly. that, and that's part of the Christian life. That's what we're called to do is walk together. Walk together. Share each other's experiences with each other and be like, hey, don't feel bad. I went through this, and this is all you have to do. This is what you have to do. Repent. Turn away from. That's what we know what that means. And, and just love the Father. You know, and, and do right. That's that's what it's about. But we do that together and together. walk through things together. And that's the key word. A lot of people want to be lone wolf Christians. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, Southside, honestly, the first couple of years were rough for Nicole and I. Yeah. But when we had our small group, all of a sudden, we've cried together. We right. prayed together. We've beating each other's over the head with sticks. We laugh we all your, the time. All the time. I mean, we, we eat food together. Yeah. We do birth. I mean, we're going to throw a birthday party here in, in next week I'm for so one of our kids. I'm so excited about that. So it's just awesome. I mean, that's what, that's what Christian life is right. all about. Um, but we don't have much time, so I want to wrap up with this this last question. Um, so Fuller, there's someone. Let's let's say there's someone listening right now, and they're yeah. like, you know what? That's cool. Both of you guys have a past, but I feel like I'm a prisoner yeah. to my past, and right. the fact of I can't break out of my past. Is there any hope for me? Well, the Bible clearly talks about who the sun sets free is free indeed. Mm. And so, get that Hillsong worship. <laughs> get that Hillsong worship. Uh, my my advice to you would get. Be, get plugged in. Yeah. 
Hmm. Um, if you struggle reading the Bible or praying uh, or attending church, uh, I, I would start by getting plugged in to a small group, connect group, house church, whatever you feel comfortable with, or maybe just a, a couple, a, mm. a couple of Christians, you know, a couple of buddies or whatever. Uh, I know we have a couple that attends our our small group that uh, they don't attend church. They've been in church once. But they, they continue to come to our small group when they can, and that's a great place to start. Uh, just know that we are all prisoners to death, um, but Jesus took the keys from Satan of death, over death. YOLO. And so, said, nope. <laughs> so there's, there's no reason, uh, if you're in Christ and I say in Christ, in Christ, not that Christ is in you, but you are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're free. You're free, uh, from sin and death. Uh, God has freed you. Now that doesn't give us excuse that, you know, Paul talks about, does that give us the, the right to go out and continue to sin? God forbid. So that way grace may abound. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that's not what it's about. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Well, three weeks ago, two weeks, I don't know. I'm not sure with, with the Sunday school youth, uh, that, uh, just because we're Christians, doesn't mean uh, we're you know we're going to stay the same. Right. We're transformed, and and when you give your life fully to Christ and really surrender, uh, you don't want to live the way of sin. You just don't. The Holy Spirit convicts you uh, anytime you sin. It could be something small as oh I overate today and man I feel bad about it. Right. You know. Uh, so my my advice to you would be get plugged in, start reading your Bible. Start praying and live life with other fellow Christians. And if you're not saved, uh, then talk to a Christian. Uh, ask questions. Try to understand what Christ did for you on the cross and did for all of us uh, that we may have eternal life more abundantly. Yeah, that's cool. So there's a lot of other resources that I want to offer to, to, to the people listening as well. Um, Pastor Scott, back at January 1, this was actually one of my favorite sermon series that Scott actually preached. Yeah. Um, his January ones are always killer. I mean, It's like the first of the year, he's like, he makes those New Year's dude, resolutions to no, have the best sermons ever. <laughs> I did not say that. But no, but he his January sermons are always killer. But if yeah, I'll put this in the show notes, but he went through a series called Reset. And the whole idea of getting 2019 started off right. In the week one, he talked about that God is the God of second chances. And the second question is, can God still use me despite my own stupidity? Um, Week three was relationship reset with dealing with not husband (laughs) and wife, but friendship. That was was a rough one. (laughs) There were so many times I was convicted. I was like, man... (laughs) Can we we go home now? Thank you, Pastor. And then week four was cool because this was supposed to be the... uh, uh, the last one was supposed to be week four, which was the secret of surrender, talking about how do you actually make 2019 the best year ever. And it's yeah. about pick up your cross daily, follow me. Right. It was supposed to end there, but we were um, we kept talking, and it ended up being like a seven week series. It was awesome. Though. Week five was the danger of misplaced priorities, and yeah. that's that. I would challenge parents who um, worship sports, mm-hmm. who worship academics, right. people who worship. Um, accolades and diplomas and everything to, to really l- listen to week five. Week six was well, my favorite. Well, you could also, also listen to this last Sunday's sermon by Pastor Brandon Sochet. Oh, what is worship? Because Yo. what is worship, you know, if you don't understand what, what that looks like. Uh, I'll drop that in the show notes, yeah. too. <laughs> and week six, sadly, there's no video for it, just the audio. I kind of oops that one that week. Um, it says, <laughs> bloom where you're planted. In other words, don't Say, God, send me somewhere to be a Christian. Right. No, you're called to be a Christian where, you're, where right, you are. Exactly. And the last one was be intentional and actually do stuff about that. 
Um, well, Chris, I think we can wrap up. I think so. Episode one, man. We got a lot more conversations to come talking about Christians and um, media and music. Should Christians even watch Game of Thrones? That's oh, going to be a fun one. Man. Talking about Disney. Disney, theology. that's our next that's one. That's the yeah. next one. Should we boycott Disney oh, or is man. Disney teaching us bad theology right, that exactly. ruining our kids? Um, music, teenagers in today's day and age. So we have a lot of fun conversations. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. Oh, man, I am so excited about this. So here's how I want to end every podcast, Fuller. All right, I'm ready. Closing thoughts with Fuller. Oh, okay, closing, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts with Fuller. So we'll just do a quick recap here. Oh, no, no, I mean, like, if a, if a, if a cow falls from a tree, does oh. it, like... You know, well, spew milk. I mean, I was thinking something stupid. So you're, oh, you want like something silly? All right, I got one for you. I got a quick little joke that I shared oh, at PBS. Okay, dad joke. So it's totally a dad joke. So if Christ was alive, well, let me rephrase it. If Christ was here on Earth today, what kind of Listen. car would he drive? He would drive a Chrysler. Oh. But see, right. there's the other one where it's, I did not come on my own accord. There's also <laughs> the Honda Accord, baby. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, what kind of coffee do Christians drink? He brews. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's, that, that is true, you so, know, all about it. So either way, we're going to be signing off. See you Alrighty. next time. Thanks for joining us.